This episode is brought to you by Grasshopper Climbing. I've had so many great conversations on the podcast with high-level climbers, and one thing that keeps coming up again and again when it comes to getting better at climbing is consistency. There's no magic hangboard program or bouldering routine that is gonna get you super duper strong in six weeks. The key to making lasting gains in your strength and your climbing technique is consistency, just climbing and training regularly for years and years. But consistency is hard. If you have kids or live in a city or work a nine to five job, and only have evenings free to train and have to compete with crowds at the gym, it can be really hard to stick to a consistent schedule. Luckily, the folks at Grasshopper Climbing designed the perfect solution. The Grasshopper Board was designed to give you an entire climbing gym experience right in your home. And the best part, they did such a good job with the whole shaping and layout that the Grasshopper Board will be right for you whether you are a total beginner, intermediate climber, or you're advanced or even pushing the limits in climbing V15. It's so efficient, it's so good for training, and most importantly, it's so much fun to climb on. But don't take my word for it because the folks at Grasshopper just want you to try it out for yourself. If you wanna learn more, head over to grasshopperclimbing.com or check them out on Instagram at grasshopperclimbing. Check out their boards and reach out to their sales team to see which board solution is right for you. And be sure to tell them I sent you because the folks at Grasshopper are offering you guys, listeners to this podcast, $500 off when you order a fully kitted out eight by 10 foot Grasshopper board. Or you can save even more if you upgrade to a larger board. Again, that's grasshopperclimbing.com to check out the Grasshopper board. This episode is also brought to you by Athletic Greens. I started taking Athletic Greens about a year ago now, and I sip on it first thing in the morning when I make my coffee. It has become one of my favorite parts of my morning routine. It's super refreshing, and I love how it tastes. As all of you know, I prioritize eating whole foods when it comes to my nutrition, but it can be really hard to get fresh produce and high-quality food when you live in a van like I do or when you travel to remote climbing areas. One scoop of Athletic Greens has 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. I think of it as all-in-one nutritional insurance. If I take Athletic Greens in the morning, I know I'm covered. To make your decision easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of vitamin D, that's great this time of year, and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com nugget. Again, that is athleticgreens.com nugget to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And finally, this episode is brought to you by Rhino Skin Solutions, my go-to when it comes to taking care of my skin. I have a handful of favorite products from Rhino. One of my go-tos is the Repair Cream. I use that most evenings to help heal my skin faster between sessions if I'm trying a project. But Rhino has great products for everybody. Whether you have dry, glassy skin or sweaty skin and have trouble keeping chalk on your hands like I do, Rhino Skin Solutions has products that are designed just for you and your skin type. Check out my episode with founder Justin Brown, episode 22 of The Nugget, to learn more about which products are right for you and to learn how to dial in your skin for an upcoming performance season. That's a super valuable episode if you want to try Rhino products. If you want to level 
up your skin game, head over to rhinoskinsolutions.com and enter code NUGGET at checkout for 20% off your next order. That's rhinoskinsolutions.com. Use code NUGGET at checkout for 20% off and start taking better care of your precious skin today. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Nugget Climbing Podcast. This is Stephen Dimmitt, and my guest today is Elena Joy. This is one of my very favorite conversations that I have ever had on the podcast. I really enjoyed talking to Elena, but who is she? Elena is a queer content creator and YouTuber. She has a very successful YouTube channel with more than 400,000 subscribers growing all the time. And she is a newly obsessed climber. She's been climbing for about two years now, and that's something that she's been talking more and more about on Instagram. And we had a blast in this conversation. A lot of it was Elena's life story. She has a very fascinating and heart-wrenching story of her journey of discovering that she's gay, discovering her queerness, as she affectionately calls it and what it was like to come out publicly after realizing this. It happened in multiple stages, as you will hear on the podcast. But yeah, even though we come from different worlds and have very different content that we create, Elena feels like a kindred spirit. I got along with her so well. She's so much fun and easy to talk to. And again, I really enjoyed this conversation. We also talked about some of her climbing, how climbing became an anchor for her during a very tumultuous time in her life, and what climbing looks like for her now, and why she is trying to focus on enjoying the process instead of achievements in climbing, which I think is something that a lot of us can relate to. So we covered a lot of ground in this conversation. I would love to hear what you guys think of this one. I'd love feedback. And with that, let's dive in. Please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with YouTuber, queer content creator, and newly obsessed rock climber, Elena Joy. I'm camping in the middle of the desert right now and doing this off of my hotspot on my phone, which is how a lot of these podcasts happen. So um, it's good enough for audio, but sometimes it gets a little cruxy with video. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I don't usually have to worry about like what I look like when I do these, you know? I, know. I haven't showered in two days. I like realized that I was the showers here, they're like coin operated and I didn't have any cash. So like you have to get dollar <laughs> coins with a five dollar bill or whatever. And I was like, fuck, I haven't showered in two days, but she's gonna be using this on her like super popular channel. <laughs> no, you're you're fine and you're just you're cut me good. out, okay? No, yeah, just cut you out. No, this is just for like my um my team wants to put together like some promo clips to share around on like on different social media stuff which i think is would be fun if you're if you're into it of course no i, I love that that'd be so fun yeah okay i'm gonna try to sort out this lighting situation i don't know why it looks so white on the like it doesn't look like that in in real life you sound so good this is so nice <gasps> thank you this is <laughs> hi puppy no you can't <laughs> I'm sorry, you can't sit up here Aww. at this time. <laughs> Hi, handsome. He doesn't always stay home with me. Uh huh. But today, today we've got. Oh, Julio. he's so cute. 
Oh my god, I wish we recorded. He looks kind of bashful. He is so he's like, oh sorry, puppy. There you go. Oh, now you're gonna go. Now that I started recording on the camera, you're gonna go. Um, no, he likes to like sit on my lap, mm-hmm. but it obviously makes it hard to, to function. Julio bed. Good boy. Oh, now he's <laughs> he almost did it. Julio. He wants to hang out, he wants to be on TV. Julio bed. You seem like you have very famous pets by Good proxy. Good boy. Good boy. Well, he's a new, well, he's not a new addition. He's actually my girlfriend's dog. Okay. Um, but, well, this is going to be, this is going to be a problem. <laughs> I, have, I haven't had him home before when, um, <laughs> when I'm doing like a podcast or like filming something. Yeah. He's going to want to be a part of it. Is that good? I mean, I guess that's quite fine. <laughs> it's part of the, yeah, it's, it's, it's part of the charm, I think. <laughs> Look at you. You're just affectionately stroking your dog. Yeah. So he's sweet. such a sweetheart. He he's like he's so friendly. He loves people, but like the world scares him. Mm. Like everything scares him. So like right now he just wants I don't know what has made him a little bit nervous, but he's he has decided he wants to be on my lap. His name's Julio. Julio. He's a rescue from Mexico. Oh. Well, so. Julio, a lot of us can relate. The world's very scary. The world's so scary. No, he just is affectionate. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, I uh, just got down here. I'm in Waco Tanks right now. And uh, it just always feels good to be here. It's just life is very simple here. It feels like a recharge. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume you're climbing? I'm climbing. Yeah, Waco Tanks yeah. <laughs> is, a, is a really, like one of the kind of premier bouldering destinations in the States, I would say. Oh. Okay. So, and it's perfect during the winter. It gets too hot the rest of the year, um, at least for my taste. So winter is the mm-hmm. perfect time to be here. It's like 60 degrees and sunny most days. Oh, and Ideal. It's, yeah, it's awesome. But yeah, the camping here, it's like very desolate, um, but beautiful. And I, I rolled in, I was here last season and the season before that. And I, I remember like Waco always feels like this recharge and I've been feeling a little overwhelmed lately. And I was just like, okay, I can't wait to get there. But I wonder if you can relate to this. Like, do you ever feel like you remember something being awesome, but you almost don't believe that it's as good as you remember it or you can't remember why, you know? And then I rolled into the campground and literally within like two minutes just felt my whole body go, (sighs) Yep. You're like, oh, yes, this place (sighs) speaks to me. Yes. The smells, just the open space, Mm -hmm. the sky, like... Yeah. That was me when I moved to, when I moved here to Vancouver. Also like not you sharing just like a really beautiful story while my dog (laughs) just (laughs) fights to sit on my lap. Um, I am listening to you. I promise. I'm just trying to not have him bump the mic. Uh Um, That was how I felt about uh, Vancouver or like the West coast. I'm, I'm from a small town in Manitoba, Canada. And the first time I came out to Vancouver, I had that feeling of like something about this place feels like my place, Mm. like something about this feels like home. And then I decided I wanted to move here after having been here one time. You're going to have to lie down for everyone who's listening. um, I, my dog is on my lap. He is not a lap sized dog. No, he's a very large dog. She's like in a, she's like in a pretzel situation, holding (laughs) Julio and like with the mic stand wrapped around Julio so she can reach it with her mouth. It's amazing. (laughs) Um, he's like sitting up, he's resting his head on my shoulder. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I, I had visited here one time and 
just fell in love with the mountains and the, like you said, the air, like just the way that it felt. And I decided I wanted to move here and but wasn't able to do that for another year and a half. And so for over a year, I just had to try and remember like, wait, why did I love that place so much? Am I really going to move somewhere that I've only been to once? Mm. Like, Mm -hmm. and, and kind of have to hold on to that feeling and have to trust that there was a reason that I, that I made that decision when I was out there. Yeah. And I, I, I came back to look for an apartment. I was here for like, I don't know, maybe five, five, six days of apartment hunting. And it was like, oh, oh yeah. Mm. Oh yeah. The mountains, you felt it the immediately ocean, the again. air. Yeah. <laughs> I felt it immediately. What was it for you exactly? Because I'm fascinated by this. I have that, I've always had that real sense of this place feels like home. These other places that I love just for whatever reason don't feel that way. And a lot of times I've mm-hmm. had hard a hard time. It feels intangible. It feels like these little intangible things that I can't quite put my finger on, but I just know mm-hmm. that Bend, Oregon felt a lot more like home than Bellingham, Washington, for instance. I think the climate had something to do with it. The open space, it just like spoke to my soul, you know? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Can you put words to what that feeling was or was it just an intangible sense that, ah, I I feel at home in this place? I think it's definitely intangible, but it's got to be the climate. Like you said, it's something in the air, which maybe feels intangible to us, but like the reality is probably that it's the temperature. It's the, it's the freshness here. The air is fresh because there are trees and it's the rainforest technically, right? Like we're in a rainforest climate up here Um, or temperate zone. Oh my God. No, that's a different one. (laughs) It's a rainforest something, right? So there's like something about the the moisture in the air, the it's the, was the nature for me, like coming from, coming from Manitoba, it's the prairies. Mm. Right. And it's cold. It's unbelievably cold in the winters. So to come somewhere like this, where the, the winter it's like five degrees or um, that's Celsius. I, I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, maybe like 35 degrees yeah the not as big of a swing like it's it's not super hot in vancouver vancouver bc for people listening in the summer um, it's a little bit drier but then in the winter it's a little rainier but it's not super cold and snowy and freezing like it is in the the plains yeah yeah like in manitoba winter it's like minus 40 which is the same in fahrenheit like it when i say it's cold it's like very cold (laughs) That's so like your nose hair. hairs freeze. I can't even imagine what hmm. that feels like. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't yeah, think I've ever been in weather that cold in my life. It's not pleasant. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it. Okay. I'll cross it off my <laughs> list. <laughs> yeah. Summer is nice. Summer is nice. They've got a great like art scene out there, but mm-hmm. yeah, something about Vancouver just. And, and hey, Squamish is like two seconds away and the yeah. bordering up there is is great. It's amazing. I used to live in Bellingham. So I went to school in Bellingham, Washington, lived there for five mm-hmm. years and did mm-hmm. not go to Squamish nearly enough during that time. But I did make, make it up there a handful of times and super special place. I, I really would love to go back. It's beautiful. The way that the, the roots are entangled yeah. in the rocks and growing over boulders, it just feels yes. mythical, you know? And that's how it is here. Like mm. you go, you walk into any forested area and, and it's like a fairy tale. Like it feels like 
it feels like like um, Jurassic Park with all the ferns and the the old growth trees. God, it's really it's really something special. Mm. Well, awesome. Um, we should cover some of the basics before we just keep rolling with this thing. I'm already recording. Yes. First things mm-hmm. first, Elena Fender, Elena Joy. Elena Joy. Elena Joy. Okay. Yeah. I love it. Okay. I will refer to you as that. Um, do you have a time cutoff today? Um, 11 at the max. What time is it? Your Oh, sorry. Two, two hours, hours, basically. Got it. Okay. We can do that. Perfect. I'm having, um, I'm having an experience that I think people that meet me probably have. I just spent the last two days going through a bunch of your content and, and catching up on a bunch of your videos. And uh-huh. you sent me like kind of a, um, an a la carte, you know, yes. sampling. Here's half a dozen videos yes. you can watch <laughs> and it'll give you a good sense of what I'm up to. And I already knew a little bit about what you were doing before that, but it was awesome to do a deeper dive. And a lot of what you're, I, I want you to describe your channel in a second here, but a lot of what you do is lighthearted and just fun and joyful, mm-hmm. but it's also very real. I kind of went down the rabbit hole and ended up watching your video about calling your wedding off and coming out again. And yes. it's heart-wrenching and I wanted to, you know, it's not appropriate because I don't actually know you, but I wanted to like crawl through my computer <laughs> and give you a hug at one point. Oh, and I just yeah. feel I'm having this experience right now where I feel like I've had several very intimate conversations with you oh, by just yeah. being a fly on the wall, but I don't actually know you at all. And we're strangers and here we are. I mean, we've had one conversation, but mm-hmm. somehow I'm like experiencing both of those things at the same time where you feel really familiar to me and I'm so curious to get to know you because we don't know each other. And I imagine Uh that, well, actually I know people have told me this. I think some people feel similar when they meet me having listened to hours of the podcast. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's kind of fun to be on the other side of that. Well, there's, there's a part of that. That's, that's the parasocial relationship piece, right? Where you, you spend so much time watching or listening to someone, you kind of feel like you have this personal relationship with them. Um, but also you saying that you feel like we've had these intimate, real valuable conversations is a huge compliment. Like that's, that's the nicest thing that you could say to me. Cause that's, that's what I'm trying to do mm. is I'm, I'm trying to make content that is fun, lighthearted, easy to watch will make you smile, but then maybe you, you leave and you've learned something new, whether mm. that's something about the queer community, something about climbing here and there, something about whatever, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you're certainly doing it. I mean, I I have already just hearing how you talk about things, how you process things. There's um, even as like a content creator who mm. spends a lot of time in front of the mic myself, something I've really admired about you in the last couple of days watching all these videos is your willingness to think out loud in real time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really cool. I mean, you taking people along with your journey of, I don't have this all figured out yet. I'm having these like epiphanies and realizations in real time <sighs> and you can kind of yeah. watch me stumble through it. I'm like, that's fucking awesome. I really, it's really like scary. that. scary. Oh, yeah, man, I bet it you. is. It's really scary. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't, bet it I don't is. Script. I don't script my videos. Right. I don't, um, I I can don't tell. do any of that. So, and- In the best way possible, I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I can tell you put no preparation into these. <laughs> no, you're, no, you're very good like, off the cuff. Yeah. It's like so much of my channel has always been probably the least so now, but in the past has always been about 
my life, right? It, that's how it started. That's kind of how it how it grew. The the basis of the content that I made was like, here's my life. Here are the people in my life. Come along with me. And so then inevitably when life started to get a bit messy, life started to get a bit confusing. I don't want to say I had to share those things because I, I understand that nobody nobody owes anybody anything, but I wanted to share those things as much as I could while they were happening because a lot of it was stuff I hadn't seen people talk about before. And as I was going through it, I felt incredibly alone mm. Um because I didn't know anybody in my real life who was having similar experiences, not even close. Um, and I didn't see anybody online sharing those experiences. So it was a sense of like, I'm going to put this out there partially because I feel like I need to provide an explanation for these changes, but also because somebody else somebody else has got to be feeling this way or somebody mm. else has got to understand. Of course. I mean, it's it's such a gift that you gave to everyone watching, in, especially in that video of, of you coming out again. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, of, of all the videos you watched, you know, many of them have 60,000 views, 100,000 views. That video has 1.1 million views. That's yeah. That's how many people... <laughs> feel less yeah. alone now because of what you wow. did. And I, th I think that's just incredible. I, I think we should back up. I want to come back around to this and talk more yeah. about it. Um, yeah. But, you know, when I first came across your channel, I was thrilled and fascinated to see that um, you're making this channel about queerness and about, you know, exploring sexuality within the, the queer community, um, mm -hmm. exploring your own sexuality. And you're making a wildly successful living for yourself it seems like from the outside and you have 400,000 subscribers on your YouTube channel I'm like this is so mm -hmm. fucking cool that this is a thing now you know that you can just yeah. create your own lane um, but yeah. I think I got even more interested when I found out that the channel predated all of that and oh yeah you've just brought everyone along on this <laughs> whole journey I was like whoa that's not <laughs> yeah. what I was expecting at all because I could see how like I could see how the pain and the process of your own personal journey with its ups and downs and confusion and clarity. And mm -hmm. um, I could see how that pain could lead to the passion of, I want to create this channel and make other people feel ah, less alone. Yeah. But it's even more interesting to me now that that's not what happens. So I'm, I would love to hear actually, could you take us back? This channel started 12 <laughs> yeah. years ago. Oh my God, did it? Yeah, and, uh, that sounds about right. Yeah, take us back by describing one of your earliest videos. What were you doing okay. at yeah. the start? Because I haven't gone ba okay. back that far in your channel. I don't Thank actually Thank God, know. do not. Absolutely, <laughs> just stay away. It's horrifying. Okay. So I discovered YouTube as a platform when I was in high school. And I had already been making videos ever since I, I found my dad's old camcorder when I was like in elementary school. And I started making like little music videos with my friends and I would make videos for school projects. Like if I had to write a paper, I would ask the teacher if I could make a video instead. And I would like make a, I don't know, an educational video or a skit or something with, with my friends. I just was 
enthralled by the creation of video from jump. And so then when I found YouTube as a platform, I was like, whoa, this is a bunch of people creating videos and posting them. And it's, they're a community. Like when YouTube started, it was very much like friends posting little videos of themselves talking to the camera and then other friends responding. And like, it was these groups of buddies, like making videos together and for each other. And I wanted to be a part of it, but the thought of, of making a YouTube video as like, I'm going to make a video for YouTube and post it of myself because I want a YouTube channel. I found incredibly embarrassing. Um, and so I, (laughs) so what I did was I had this friend, he was like one of my best friends in high school. His name was Landis. His name is Landis. He is, he's still with us. Um, his name's Landis and he was leaving for a trip somewhere. He was going to be going, I think he was going to Mexico with his family or something. He was going to be gone for a couple of weeks. And so I decided that I was going to make a video for him because quote unquote, he was going to miss me so much. (laughs) So my first three YouTube videos on my channel, I think two of them are private now, but my first three videos on my YouTube channel were for Landis, number one, for Landis, number two, for Landis, number three. And it was me talking to my camera as if I was talking to Landis <laughs> um, so that he so that he'd have these videos to watch while he was away. When really, I just wanted to start a YouTube channel, but the thought of doing that and having it like fail in some way or having nobody watch it um, was I couldn't, I couldn't take the, couldn't take the, the risk. So hmm, okay. I cheated a little bit. <laughs> Interesting. And what, I mean, did people respond to it right away? Like how, how did that become, not what you do now, but how did that become yeah. you making a channel where you are in front of the camera yeah. sharing snippets so, of your life? It was like, I, I, maybe those videos got 10, 15 views kind of thing. But even that I was like, oh, some, you know, somebody's watching this. And after those first three, I got a subscriber. Somebody subscribed. <laughs> and I made a video. I, again, again, I don't remember what it was called. My first subscriber to my to my subscriber, something like that. And I just made a video being like, hi, what are you doing here? What's going on? <laughs> Who are you? And it developed from there. So I started making little videos. Whenever I would get new subscribers, I would like I remember at the end of the videos, I used to name my subscribers, like be like, thanks, you know, June XO 10, welcome to the family. Thanks. So-and-so welcome here. Um, and it, it grew very slowly, but I just loved doing it. So I started making videos every single week, maybe after the timeline, it's so long ago, let's say a year or two later, I hit um, 800 subscribers. I remember hitting 800 subscribers and, and that was a really big deal because a creator I used to watch, she made a video when she hit 800 subscribers. And so I remember thinking like that was a milestone. Mm-hmm. That's great. And yeah, just, I just kept at it. I love it. I was going to ask you at the start of this conversation, we just kind of rolled right in, but I was going to ask mm-hmm. you how you describe what you do to strangers. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
And I would still love for you to do that, but let's, I want to ask that question as if I was talking to Elena like five years ago before you first came out as bisexual, because that mm. seems like that very quickly became what the channel was about. And then from there yeah. on, it's just been following your journey. Um, but what were you doing be oh, before God. that? How would you have described what your channel was all about before? Whoa, what a question. I, oh, would I even talk about it? before that I guess that's important right. yeah where were you at with it was it was it a you know a profession was it just a side hustle this was totally just I was do I was making weekly videos mostly for fun like yes I was trying to grow it yes I I I wanted to I wanted to be my goal up until I discovered that like you could make money, you could do this as a job. That wasn't a thing, right? When I started, that wasn't a thing for years. So my only goal was I want to be a part of the community. So I wanted to grow my, my channel because I wanted to be recognized within the community. I wanted the friendship. I wanted the camaraderie. Mm. I wanted, I wanted to be in the space. Right. So, um, I'm trying. I I'm trying to remember if I would proudly talk about the channel to people who were not YouTube people. Mm. I think I would probably just say like, "Oh yeah, I make I make little videos. Like it's just me kind of hanging out." I I don't think. I don't think I talked about it much. I honestly, this is not a very fun answer, but I I can't remember before That's okay. the before the bisexuality. I can't remember. <laughs> You've moved Where forward. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Um, what were you doing for work at the time? Serving. Serving. Okay. Yeah. So I was a server for like seven, eight years. Um, okay. I went, I served I, to go through university. Um, and then my last year of university was when I got my first brand deal on YouTube. And I was like, oh, you can make money doing this huh? <laughs> and that was kind of this light bulb moment of like, someone just gave me actual money to talk about their product on my YouTube channel. Could I do this as a job? And then I got a brand deal that I got a year long contract. I used to say it was luck, but now it's like, you know, luck is, what do they say? Luck is a, it's just a combination of, of hard work and opportunity or something. Yeah, I don't know. I, I like the phrase that we create our own luck, you know. Um I think I I think luck is a thing and um like for for example for me I've had a lot of advantages in my life and yeah. I've been very lucky in my life. I've also mm -hmm. shown up time and time and time again and been consistent and to some mm -hmm. extent I think created my own luck. Um Absolutely. Yeah, it got to go both ways, right? Yeah. Um this was the timing was lucky okay? because I was offered a brand deal that was a year long. They wanted me to make a video for them once a month for a year. And this was like, right as I was coming out of my, my universe, my undergrad degree. And so I thought to myself, Hey, this is a little bit of stable income. I'm going to give myself two years and see what I can make of this. If I do this full time for two years and it doesn't go anywhere. Okay. Then I'll I'll go back into kind of mainstream uh, career paths, but that was that was 2015. Wow! You know, 
Yeah, yeah I love it. Okay, so I want to get to uh, the plot twist, as you've affectionately <laughs> called it on your channel. Yes, um, the plot twist. <laughs> but, uh, but before that, you said something really interesting just now, and I want to explore it a little bit. This might be a tangent, but um, but I think it's interesting. You you wanted that connection. You wanted to feel a part mm -hmm. of the community. And I'm curious mm -hmm. if you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert. Yeah. So I consider myself an outgoing introvert. Same. So I, okay. Exactly. So I'm, I'm, right. like, I'm fascinated by this because you see you mm -hmm. and you see you, you know, showing up in front of the can camera and being bubbly and being fun and all these things and talking to 400,000 people that have subscribed but the reality is you're alone in your room staring into exactly. an empty microphone and I'm doing the same thing. I'm like in my van with the curtains uh -huh. closed in front of a microphone. No one else can see. And mm -hmm. I find it really fascinating that some part of me as an introvert found my way to this thing that seemed totally like antithetical to who I thought I was before doing the podcast. Like I was an engineer right. living in a cubicle. Yeah, right. And I found I felt so much social fullness and connection through doing this it's like i've hacked being an introvert you know i can still be alone most of the time and like keep my social circle really small yes. but yes. feel like connected to thousands of people at the same time that's exactly it that's exactly it is like you yeah you know you've got a microphone i've got just the slight addition of, of a camera but you're alone. Like I'm alone all day, every day. And I love it. Like that's the way I want it. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's kind of, yeah, it's for someone who is introverted, but also has, I, I would say I have quite a performative personality. Um, it's kind of the perfect spot to be. Fascinating. I love it. Does it, does it make you feel seen? I'm sure it does. Absolutely. Like there's no, as terrifying as the the plot twist <laughs> um was all that's come of it is thousands and thousands of people telling me same mm. same girl same and i'm like oh i'm not alone at all not even close and going through these different experiences and sharing things that are scary time and time again has just shown me how not alone I am mm. right like as much as as you say or or people who are watching the video say you know this the video is helping me feel less alone because I'm they're seeing me go through this experience that they share they are helping me tenfold you know mm. the exact same way wow yeah I love that Okay, let's dive into the plot twist. I think this is <laughs> yes. fascinating. You can set it up however you want to. I know you've shared all go. this on your on your yeah. channel, but deep breath. <laughs> my understanding is that you know, growing up in junior high, high school, you were dating guys, mm -hmm. um, f assumed you were straight, maybe hadn't explored mm -hmm. it deeply. Mm -hmm. Take it from there. No, do you want to go all the way back? <laughs> Just junior high well, high no. School? Okay, let's 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 um let's jump to the first time you came out. Um, yeah, the first time the, fir the first time out. you came out. Yeah, yeah, the first that captures so much, doesn't it? Oh God, yep. Um, yeah, so I <laughs> I discovered the term bisexuality. I think it was right after high school. It was on YouTube. I, you know, I was consuming a lot of YouTube content, and I found like queer YouTube. 
I found content creators who at the time posting your coming out story was a really big, there were a lot of coming out stories on YouTube and I started watching them. Um, and I was fascinated. I was like, holy shit, this is, this is wild. There's all these gay women online. Like I, I didn't know any gay women, women, not a single one. Um, and so to Julio, <laughs> buddy, I'm sorry, it's not going to work. I'm sorry, it's not going to work. Bed. Oh, he wants to play now. Bed. Look at him. See this? Uh-huh. See this, this monster? Julio, bed. <laughs> the cutest little monster. Look at those eyes. Oh my gosh. Down. 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 He's too, he's too wound up. Good boy. Stay there. Um. <laughs> This is, I'm sorry. This is, I, this is a new experience for me. He's never been home when I've been recording. It's okay. Um, didn't know how, I didn't know how intrusive or not intrusive he would be. If he keeps on, um, like wanting to be on my lap, I might just get him a treat. Okay. Um, so yeah. So I discovered the term bisexuality in, in like, there was this sex educator who like, she made a bunch of videos, put various sex ed things. And in one of her videos, she talked about bisexuality and I was like, Oh my God. Like it was, this was the, a light bulb moment, like no other, because like you said, all through high school, all through junior high, I had dated guys, all this stuff. Um, but I, I also had all these, I had experiences with women and I had these, this friendship that was not a friendship. Like we were Mm. dating, but we didn't have the language for it. And so hearing that, it just made sense. Like that was the way that it felt. It felt like, oh, this makes sense. This explains it. So maybe a couple years later, I came out to friends. I came out to some friends a couple years later, then maybe a couple years after that, I came out to family. I came out to the internet. Um, Sorry, what was the initial question? I lost my own. So yeah, you're answering the question, but you were dating a man at the time. Tell me mm-hmm. how your ex fits into this, to this part yeah. of the story. Yeah. So him and I met in high school and we dated on and off for a few years. Then we started like seriously dating. Um, and in that time, it was like a couple years into us seriously dating, right at the beginning of us, of us dating. Um, I came out to him and <laughs> as bi, um, and he's like the loveliest and most supportive. And he was like, okay, that's great. But like, maybe you shouldn't make out with girls at bars anymore, <laughs> which is like, it's so funny because I look back at that and I'm like, it was, that was like inadvertently the most, um, validating way he could have responded because a lot of men a lot of male partners view their girlfriends bisexuality as like you can go kiss girls but you can't kiss guys Mm. right like it's there's this kind of inherent inequality in the in the the threat that they feel by by different genders yeah that's like weird double standard absolutely so like his kind of response was like okay like love you but like maybe don't stop making out with girls all the time Cause up until then I was wilded, right? Like I was like, this is for the boys. The boys like it. We can all kiss for the boys. Not, <laughs> not realizing that it was not for the boys. It was for Elena. 
Um, (laughs) (laughs) And so that was that. And then I thought, okay, I've now told him, I've told my friends, I never have to talk about it again. And you two decide like we love each other. We want to stay together, right? Oh yeah. Because it was like, this doesn't affect, in my head, I was like, this doesn't affect anything. Now he knows that's all that's important. Nothing changes. Um, A couple more years go by and I'm having more and more difficulty, like keeping this to myself, essentially, like not talking about it, not um, going to queer spaces, not engaging with the queer community really at all. Cause I was, I was trying to, I was convinced that, well, as long as he knew that's it, that's all I need. But this feeling of needing queerness in my life was just growing and growing and growing. Um, Oh, wow. How much, how deep do you want to get into this? Because I'm realizing I haven't actually told this like full story in a very long time. Okay. And there's like lots of moving pieces. Do you feel comfortable? Yeah, I feel comfortable. It's just like, it's, it's, it's actually a lot like to kind of look back and be like, oh, wow. I, there's a, it's been over two years now since, since I came out the second time. Since yeah. Re coming out. Yeah. The plot twist. Um, and there's a part <laughs> of me that forgets that like mm. all of this other stuff happened too. Sure. Sure. You know? Yeah. Whatever. I mean, I guess whatever you feel, um, you're doing the same thing here that you're doing on your channel. I mean, there's, you know, there's absolutely someone listening to this that is where you were and feels alone you know, not to put pressure on you because they can go watch your channel and and do a oh, deep yeah. dive there. But um, as much as you feel comfortable sharing, yeah, I mean, we'll get to climbing eventually. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, I'm just telling you my life story here. I hope yeah. it's, um, That's why um, you're here. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So <laughs> that was, oh God, it's like, it's actually kind of, I'm like feeling some sadness, like mm. thinking about this because I haven't thought about it in a long time. But I re- I was convinced that if I just ignored it, it would go away. If I just ignored it, I wouldn't have to talk about it. I wouldn't have to tell anybody else. I wouldn't have to rock the boat. Like, why? That was my kind of thought is I was like, I'm in a serious relationship with a man. Why risk upsetting family? Why risk upsetting anybody by telling them about this part of me when it doesn't matter, quote unquote, because I'm with a man already. So who cares if I'm also bisexual? Who cares? But that line of thinking obviously did not, didn't work. And this this spot in my brain just got bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where it was all that I thought about, Mm. like being with women, queerness, my bisexuality, like it was, it was constant. Um, and then I saw a YouTube video by a creator named Ingrid Nelson. She was a lifestyle and beauty creator. So she made a lot of videos about makeup and hair and skincare and clothes and that kind of stuff. And she had been in a public long-term relationship with a guy. So from an outsider looking in, she was the, the straightest person you know you could name she she fit all the stereotypes for a a straight lady suddenly out of nowhere she drops a video 
called, I can't, maybe it was literally just called coming out. I'm gay. I can't, I can't exactly remember the title, but she drops a video saying that she's realized that she's gay. And that's that basically. (sighs) That video broke my brain (laughs) because this was the first time I was seeing someone who looked like me, you know, was feminine and feminine presenting and um, dating a man seriously long-term and in that relationship, realizing this about herself. And I was like, Oh God. Oh no. And I actually, so I, I panicked and I actually ended up coming out to my, my ex, my partner at the time and saying, I think I'm gay. This is pre coming out internet bisexuality. Internet doesn't even know I'm bi yet. Mm, Okay. This is, (laughs) this is like my family doesn't even know I'm bi. Um, This is, I've come out to him a couple of years prior and tried to repress it. Mm. I, I sit him down, I'm crying and I'm, and I'm, I, (laughs) I said, I think I'm gay. And we basically talked through it and like together came to the conclusion that that didn't make any sense. How could I be gay? Because you loved him. You, know, you wanted to be with exactly. him. Exactly. Right. I loved him. We had this beautiful life. Yeah. I, I wanted to be with him. Um, like all, all these things were where it was like, that doesn't make any sense, Elena. You know, I'm you're by and what's happened is that you've tried to repress it. And so now it's become bigger than it is. Mm. That's kind of the line of thinking I had. Got it. Okay. I talked myself out of being gay. I was like, that doesn't, that's right. That doesn't make any sense, Elena. So my next step was, okay, what I, what I need to do is I need to come out to, to my family. I need to come out to the world so that I'm not hiding anymore. Mm. Cause that's the thing that's, that's been hard is, is the hiding. Um, so I did. And we also, him and I also decided that if I wanted to explore this kind of queer side of me and like have experiences with women, that that was also okay. And we would, we would explore that together. So that we then enter the next chapter (laughs) of this novel. Yeah. So that was the, that was the, the impetus for the, the by years. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for sharing everything so far. My God, yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah. It's it all sounds. I can I can really um, empathize with it. I mean, I've I haven't I can't relate to that situation, but it's my heart breaks for you in that moment and for him. And it sounds like he's mm-hmm. your ex is fucking awesome. Um, super he's supportive. literally like an angel. Like he's I have not a bad word to say about that man. So that was also a piece of what made all of this so much harder. Totally. It sounds so confusing. Like I really oh want to be with this person <laughs> and they're amazing and I can appreciate yeah. them. Yeah. And something's missing. I'm holding yep. something in. Yeah. And just the inner like tug of war, the turmoil that must have been going on. Yeah. A- exactly. Absolutely. There was this constant little voice in my head that was convincing me that I was happy. Mm. I didn't actually feel happy, but I, I would go through like mental checklists. I would go through <laughs> reasons I should be happy. Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, okay, I am happy. 
And I didn't realize there are so many, Stephen, I can't even begin to tell you. There are so many things that I didn't even realize were either there or not there until they were gone. Right. So like, I did not consciously recognize that that voice was there until it was gone. Cause it'd been there my whole life. Right. right? And you must be thinking like, well, I just did this kind of mental exercise. All the boxes are checked. So this must mm-hmm. just be what it feels like to be happy, even though it's not exactly. what I, man. exactly. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to tell me about the big oopsie? <laughs> big oopsie. I love calling it that. Yep. The big oopsie. So where are we? So we go fast forward five years and we have kind of built this sort of open relationship over the, over those five years where I've, you know, been able to explore relationships with women in various ways. And I'm feeling really, I'm feeling good. Right. Like I'm like, okay, wow, this is, I was in my head. I was like, I have it all. I have this wonderful man, this wonderful partner. We're building a beautiful life together. And I get to express my queerness. I get to have queer community. Um, I get to be seen as queer by my peers. Like, wow, I really do have it all. This is amazing. How about we get married? (laughs) That was your idea? It was my idea. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's okay. It makes sense. Don't be be too hard on yourself. It's hard. Yeah. The like I'm laughing and it's all, you know, it's wild and, and to look back, but it's also like, I hurt thinking about the hurt that I caused. Mm. Right. Like that's not, nobody wants to do that. So, uh, we got engaged at the end of 2019 and then 2020 COVID hits. And suddenly I have gone from this relationship, this long-term relationship and queer community, queer friends, queer dating, um, going, you know, events and socializing, all those things. I have gone from that to being quarantined with just my, my straight partner and all of the, those, those queer parts of my life are, are gone. Plus we're supposed to be planning a wedding. And that, that combination, it was impossible for me to not look at what was happening and, and realize, um, the truth, which was that I'm, I'm gay. Yeah. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. What a journey. I know it's, yeah. I know thinking back over all of it, you know, a, a couple years later is I'm still processing everything. Like I'm still trying to work out how it all, how the impact of, mm. of all of that, because it, it runs a lot deeper than I initially thought. Mm, sure. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Thank you for sharing that again. I won't make you go any deeper into that. <laughs> no, thank you for listening. Of course. <laughs> of course. Um, and, and again, I, I watched your, the video you made, the title of the video is The Wedding is Off, Coming Out Again. And you were in it. You were right in it. And, you know, yeah, it took- that is the most vulnerable video I've ever made. Oh my gosh. Hands down, easy. Yeah. Yeah, it was- I don't know. Incredible. Such a gift that you shared that. I'll just say that again. Um, yeah. And, I, and, and again, I'll say it was partially like, let me share this because I hope that it will help somebody, but it was also partially, I have to like mm. my relationship has been a huge part of my channel. The whole channel is about bisexuality. Mm -hmm. The whole channel is about how you are valid as a queer person, as a bisexual person, even if you're in a, a straight presenting, straight passing relationship. Mm -hmm. That was the whole shtick. Right. <laughs> and suddenly Oops. I'm exactly. And I was terrified that I would be playing into stereotypes that, that actual bisexual folks have to deal with every day. Mm. The idea that it's, that being bisexual is just a phase that you'll pick a side eventually. Oh, wow. Um, that bisexual people can't be monogamous. Like all of these things. I was like, for fuck's sake, like I am now, <laughs> I am now the thing that I have tried so hard to like represent exactly the opposite of this. Mm. So, Yeah. That that was I, I generally wouldn't share something when I was that in it. But yeah, it was like I need to this needs to be this needs to be done. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I just commend you for for doing it. it I, I could see it in you. I mean, everyone that's that has seen that video, everyone that listens to this and then goes and watches it, like mm -hmm. the emotion is it, it comes through so strongly. It's so fucking real. Yeah, And you mentioned in there, you know, a couple of times I could tell that, I think you even said it explicitly, like, hope this doesn't, you know, ruin everything that we've built here. Yeah. Hope this doesn't oh, scare God. all of you away. And yeah. meanwhile, I'm watching it, like falling in love with you. I'm like, oh my mm -hmm. God, like, this is like such Steven, a- Steven, I'm gay. I'm gay, Steven. <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like this human, you know, like again, yeah. it's, it was like that wanting to crawl through my laptop screen and give you a hug. Just like, oh, my yeah. God, like seeing this person in this moment of heartbreak and pain and like the pain of having caused pain to your partner who you loved and just all the layers yeah. of that. Yeah, it was just it was just beautiful. I mean, heartbreaking and, and beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm sure I'm just sure it was so it's been so helpful. I mean, you don't need to hear that from me, obviously. Um but yeah, anyway, I you've shared enough about that. I really thank you for, <laughs> for talking about it here. I do have one more question for you because I thought this was really yeah. fun. I watched another video of yours mm -hmm. and kind of saw this like brain blast epiphany happen on camera with you. Tell me about compulsory heterosexuality. That is mm. something I had never thought about, heard about. Yeah. I'd never heard the phrase before. And yep. watching you have this amazing light bulb moment was really fun. Yeah. So compulsory heterosexuality, comphet for short, is essentially the idea that being straight, being heterosexual is the default. So 
it's the idea that that is the only option that's kind of offered to us growing up, um, especially as women. It's the idea that that being a woman attracted to men is the norm. So you're not taught to question your attraction to men because your attraction to men is normal, quote unquote, attraction to men is the way that it's supposed to be. So we don't, we don't look at it, right? Um, it's the idea that as women, we're taught that our value, our worth is decided by how attractive men find us, mm. right? So whether you're attracted to men back or not, men finding you attractive means that you are a worthy human. It means that you hold value. So when I learned about comp head and I, and I learned about um, this idea that, that it was being attracted to men is like the default and we don't question it. I, I had this light bulb moment of like, Oh my God, that's why this took me so long mm. because I had questioned my attraction to women every second of every day, right? I, I've questioned to be sure, am I gay? Am I bi? Is this really how I feel? I need to be certain before I make any sort of decisions or before I, I talk about it. Had I ever thought, how do I feel about men? Am mm. I attracted to men? Right. Do I want a relationship with men? It, the question didn't occur to me. It was always just a given. It's a given, exactly. Right. And mm -hmm. so as soon as I actually started to question that side of my sexuality, I realized that I had bent and twisted and done mental gymnastics to fit all of my life's experiences within the framework of I am attracted to men because mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that, that was the structure that everything else was built around. Like that was the foundation. Mm -hmm. I didn't, it wasn't a foundation I had laid compulsory heterosexuality, totally, laid that totally. foundation, but then I built the rest of my life around that. To fit that given to societal that. narrative. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You described yourself. You always thought that you were uh, demisexual. Is that the term? Well, so yeah, demi-romantic. When demi -romantic, I then learned about okay. mm -hmm, so sexuality, sexual attraction, and romantic attraction are different things. So it's if you think about like, you know, maybe you go on a date with somebody and you're super attracted to them and like you want to sleep with them, but you don't really want to cuddle with them or you don't really mm. want to you don't really want to get flowers from them or like you, you can have sexual attraction and not romantic attraction. And you can have romantic attraction, not sexual attraction, right? Yeah. So um, romance had always given me the ick. I did not like it. I didn't like watching it in movies. I didn't like reading about it in books. I didn't like receiving it. Romance made me uncomfortable. Straight romance. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that yeah. was the only romance I like that was right, the right, only Right, right, right. Totally. Yeah. You know, the only thing I was exposed to. Yeah. And so instead of being like, hmm, I wonder if I'm romantically attracted to men. That question didn't exist. So instead it was, 
I must just not experience romantic attraction. I knew I did a little bit. Um, and so I was like, I must be demi-romantic because I, I only experience romantic attraction with somebody who I've um, been with for a really long time. It takes me a really long time. It's like that emotional connection, yes. that emotional bond. Got it. Yeah. But then even that was like, am I experiencing romantic attraction or do I just have a strong emotional bond with this person? Mm-hmm. That I had that I then assumed, oh, this is what romance feels like. Mm-hmm. This is what attraction feels like. No, it turns out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it turns out there was a whole host of feelings that I I didn't even know I could experience. Yeah. That's I mean, that's there's a lot there with what you just said. That's so exciting Absolutely. to hear. It sounds like you, I mean basically the last two years you've experienced like a like a new a rebirth in a way you know like a i can't understate it mm. like it it is like seeing the world through new eyes it's like i am i am rediscovering who i am in relationship 100 like i i am not none of the things that i that i held true as like these are facets of who i am these are facets of of my experience what i like what i need None of them hold hold weight anymore. Like mm. it's all um, people often queer folks um, because we tend to come out after, you know, most people, straight folks have puberty mm-hmm. and that's kind of you go through your adolescence and you fig- you have all these new feelings and you're discovering your sexuality and you're discovering that, oh, my God, I want to date. I want I have these um have this pull towards other people. I want to explore what being in relationship feels like. Most people have that in like, you know, puberty time. Queer folks, we often talk about having a second puberty or a second adolescence because mm. it's only after you've come out and after you've started having relationships that are at, within your actual sexuality that that you you know, you go through those motions. So I'm I'm a 30-year-old woman. I'm <laughs> friggin' 30 and yeah. I'm like feeling like a, a preteen boy <laughs> you know like, yeah totally you know um I, I really don't I, not to make this about me at all because I want to talk so much please, more about no I've talked about myself for an hour straight <laughs> okay okay well I had I just had this thought which is that I actually relate really strongly to that um in my own way so I'm 33 um, I'm cis. I've, I've always liked women. That's never felt confusing to me, but I grew up, um, like my personal baggage that I've carried and had to unpack in my adult life is growing up in a conservative Christian bubble. And there was so much shame around sexuality mm-hmm. and you just didn't do it. You weren't supposed to talk about it. You didn't have sex until you were married, but I didn't want to get married at 20 years old, but I wanted to have sex. Yeah. And so, yeah. I mean, like, I'm still, uh, what you just said, like you're 30 and you feel like a, you know, someone going through puberty. I feel Mm -hmm. like I experienced that maybe more in my mid twenties. Totally. The lightness of being able to like really express myself and explore that without the guilt and the shame. But it took years to unpack the guilt and the shame and to like, for example, for for people listening um, and for you, like, (laughs) this is how this is how fucked up it is like i don't even know exactly when i lost my virginity 
Because the way yes. that Christianity works, it's like you're not allowed to do that. And oh, I so grew you up just, in it. Oh, you grew I up in it. That, okay. I got that layer too. So okay. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> it's a it's a real doozy, isn't it? So like <laughs> yeah. you just push the boundaries, you blur the lines, yep. and then yep. you just feel shitty about it. You feel shitty for yourself because you feel like you succumb to this desire and lust that's within you that's bad and mm-hmm. you sinned. Mm-hmm. But then there's this layer where um, I think I felt a lot of responsibility and a lot of guilt as a man who like, what if I, I, I tried not to put pressure on this other person, but I, maybe mm-hmm. I did. And even though, you know, I let them make the first move, I still didn't stop it. And so I'm responsible for like them sinning too. It's just, it's yes. so fucked, you know? Yes. It's absolutely <laughs> colossally fucked. <laughs> Uh huh. Yeah. So in my own way, it's very different, but I I can kind of relate to it. And I'm all that to say, I'm I love that for you, and I love it for you. I'm glad that you (laughs) unpacked the shame and you you're experiencing. You use the word light. You you found Mm. kind of the lightness in in sexuality, and I think that's so important because it is. It it's light and fun and beautiful, and it can be this really um, expansive thing. And, and I think growing up in, um, a constricting environment, whether that's a religious environment or whether it's a society that tells you that your queerness is wrong, it, it taints and, Mm. and just, um, it's it's trauma it's traumatizing yeah and it's i i'm happy i'm glad to hear that you're also you know past kind of past that thank you yeah there's i'm sure there's still residue but um of course yes yeah and that's the that's the part that's honestly exhausting like Mm. i'm exhausted (laughs) when i when i when i think about it when i talk about it Mm. like i'm in therapy Mm -hmm. thank god and i'm tired (laughs) i'm tired of trying to unpack it yeah yeah do you ever take breaks from therapy just yeah that's awesome i think that's good i i have done therapy um some therapy as well and i'm kind of in in like a a pause yeah um for right now and that's felt really good to me but um i'm curious sometimes you you gotta let it metabolize yeah yeah okay yeah how is all of this attached or connected to climbing. Um, just to frame this, you and I had a conversation. Are we good? Yeah. my ca- Oh, the battery. One sec. I'm okay, just going to swap this out. You're awesome, by the way. I'm having fun. All right. Well, thank you. I'm having fun too. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. You're, you are, you're a really good. Um, it's interesting that you have a climbing podcast because the way that you are asking questions and making connections. I'm like, you are a host. Like you are of a natural gift at hosting, <laughs> at interviewing and like hosting conversations. So I, I wouldn't have guessed that from mm-hmm. somebody who has a climbing podcast where it seems very um like that sounds at the at uh face value. It sounds like um like educational or like a broy. Uh, Skill set. No, not bro. <laughs> you <laughs> no, can say bro I don't mean bro I'm Because I, 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 I do. Like I it's... think of things that way. That's still my gut reaction. I'm like, oh, another bro with a climbing podcast, even though I'm trying to do it differently, you know? That's it. That's interesting because like I don't, 
I didn't think of it like that. I, it was more like this is a podcast about a certain skill. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't it coming into it expecting, oh, we're going to have a really wonderful conversation and he's going to ask really thoughtful, um, <laughs> like unique questions. So, yeah. Well, I mean, it's you've got a you've got a gift. Thank you. I really appreciate that. That means a lot to me. And it's it's what it, it's really what I'm trying to do here. I don't know if it's what mm-hmm. I was trying to do here when I started, because at first, um, like my pain that made me start this thing was frustration as a climber. Like I felt mm-hmm. like the information was out there. There were people that knew the stuff and it, I wasn't finding it. It wasn't reaching me. I, I had so many okay. burning questions. Um, yeah. But from the beginning, I mean, my first episodes, it was a while before I talked to like a really high level pro climber and just geeked out with them. Um, yeah. So from the beginning, it was, you know, my interest in who people are and what makes them tick and how we do this human thing, this, you know, mm-hmm. this human experience through the lens of climbing, because that connects me to, you know, most of the people in my life that I'm closest with. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always been really interesting to me, but, but it, it's why I resonated with you when I first learned about you and looked at your channel. Cause it seems like you and I are kind of doing the same thing. Like you draw people in with fun and entertainment and thirst trap reaction videos. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I draw people in with finger training and geeking right. out about hangboard right. protocols and yes. climbing hard moves. Oh and Oh my God. Teach me everything you know about hangboard protocols. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes, that's a can of worms. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, like, it's not like I have some like secret agenda here, but it's the same thing. Like if I, if people can leave these conversations that on the surface are about, you know, performance climbing and have learned something about someone who's different than them, Mm. that's the greatest gift that I, as the the bridge between you and the people listening can try to give, you know, because, because that sort of thing is what has created the most change in me personally, you know, going back to like my upbringing, upbringing, being a, you know, a Christian guy who was sheltered and then went to school in Bellingham, which is super progressive and liberal. And like people Mm -hmm. joke that there's like a green cloud of, you know, cannabis fumes just like hanging over (laughs) Bellingham. It's a totally different scene. Right. And I just remember like, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, it still like makes me feel, um, embarrassed to to say it out loud but it's true like i grew up in the church and as an 18 year old kid like met a gay friend for the first time and had to reconcile mm-hmm. so much shit you know but it Absolutely. was getting to know a human who yeah. had this identity but who didn't fit into a box who definitely didn't mm-hmm. fit into the box that i had been taught i should put them in mm-hmm. that cracked me open you know yeah and i find it really powerful those personal stories and that's how I hope to um, to make change if I have any opportunity to help move things forward. So that's beautiful. I'm happy to be Thank here. You. I'm glad. I love that you're I here. Hope, yeah, this is. It's interesting to think about what a different audience we are likely speaking to mm. than the audience I'm usually speaking to. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we're all humans, you know. Like, I mean, absolutely, yeah. I think, I think there's, um, I don't know. I I, I'll just speak for myself. I'm always surprised at what things resonate. You know, a a lot of things Mm. watching your channel resonate for me, even though, you know, I, I happened to align. 
I'm not a lesbian. I know. You're not a lesbian? I'm coming out on the show right now. I'm I'm not a lesbian. I'm not. I'm coming out as not a lesbian. (laughs) Hey, that is, you know what? What? That, I know we're making a joke, but like in a roundabout way, that is fighting comp het is like, Exactly. I've never had to come out as a straight man. It was just always a given. And I was lucky Mm -hmm. because I just happened to align with it and and connect with it. I would ask everybody who's listening, who is, who identifies as straight, like I think all of us, no matter where you fit in the queer community, if you, if you fit in it at all, we should all look at our sexualities and just, just ask the question like that. That's all that comp is really teaching us is like, ask the question, does this type of relationship fulfill me? Does it excite me? Is this what I want? And for the most, most of you listening are going to answer that question with, yeah, Mm. I'm a dude and I love ladies or I'm a lady and I love dudes, right? Like most people statistically are going to have that response, but there are going to be some, some of you who ask yourself that question and it might actually be really scary. Mm. There might be something there that you, that you didn't realize or that you were fighting against. And that's oh, the sooner, the better, the sooner, the better, mm. <laughs> you know, ask the question. Love it. See what happens. I want to ask how climbing is connected to all of this because mm-hmm. you are a climber and uh, you share a lot of climbing content, especially on your Instagram. Mm-hmm. You said something interesting. So we we did a pre-interview. It's probably a month ago now, but we did a pre-interview, yeah. got to know each other a little bit. And I had asked you, um, you know, I, I like to ask this to all my guests before we do this. Like, what's important? What's important here? What do you really want to share in this conversation? What would make you proud of it? And one of the things that you mentioned was your queerness, but Mm -hmm. also how your queer identity is connected to your climbing identity. I thought that was really interesting. Does that... What did I say? I don't remember. Okay. (laughs) Well, let's just, let's just go with this. So I know that um, you also said that, that climbing was an anchor for you at a very tumultuous time when you were, when you were unpacking all of this. Yeah. Um, Tell me more about that. How did you first find it? And and what was that? Like what made it an anchor for you during that time? Yeah. Well, so (laughs) this might be controversial uh, to your listeners, potentially depending on who they are, but climbing is gay. Like it's, it's so gay. (laughs) I have this in my notes. I, I don't, I don't, what I love about this is that I don't totally understand it yet because you mentioned this in one of your videos, but I know you're right. Like I, I'm just going to assume you're right. I think it's great. But I don't totally understand why yet. No, I'm like, it's pretty, it's mostly a joke. Uh, but for queer women, especially femme presenting people, a lot of non-bi- non-binary folks, um, climbing is a very queer space, specifically for for um, women, non-binary folks. I don't know so much for men, but that's because I would guess from my own kind of observations that um climbing well sports kind of in general you'll see this but if we're talking specifically climbing it's a lot of the traits that you're building the strengths that you're building the things that you're working on are traits considered traditionally masculine Mm, right so yeah i see where you're going as a as a woman 
um, if I'm attracted to men and I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to be appealing to men and I'm wanting to be the most feminine version of myself, not saying that all straight women feel that way or that that's hold any value or anything, but hypothetically, if I'm trying to be what society traditionally views as feminine, am I going to want to participate in a sport that's going to build muscle on my upper body. That's going to give me a, you know, a wider, wider shoulders. That's going to buff out my forearms and give my hands a bunch of veins. Probably not, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. whereas in the queer community, Oh, gay women. We love that shit. Like, (laughs) like hands, veins, muscles, all of it. Right. So I think there is just kind of, there's this inherent, um, it's you're kind of it, there's an, an inherent breaking of norms when you're a female climber um, or a woman who climbs because you're yeah you're kind of it's it's non-traditional mm. so and then you know when you go to a climbing gym as a queer woman like you look around the parking lot's full of Subarus like it's <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's it's these are my it. people yeah <laughs> yeah exactly like you're just like ah yes my people I found them I love it um I mean and like yeah. I'm just gonna chime in real quickly for mm-hmm. w- for women listening who identify as straight I mean this is the whole like strong is the new pretty thing strong is sexy Absolutely. like all of that stuff and mm-hmm. um and I love that I love that the ridiculously outdated and oversimplified trope of women should be whatever these things Mm -hmm. is breaking down because there's nothing, I mean, I'm a climber, so of course, but like nothing is sexier to me Mm -hmm. than, than a woman who combines all of this strength and power in, Mm. in her femininity. I'm just like, this is the most amazing combination ever. I think it's so cool. Nothing is sexier. Nothing is more attractive than a woman in the thing she loves, right? Like whether that's climbing, whether that's baking cakes, like we, I'm hoping that we're not only moving away from, you know, the idea that women should be small or petite or quiet or whatever the traditional ones are, but we're moving away from women should be anything. Totally. Yeah. Like women totally should agree. be anything. They should be whatever makes them feel happy and, and fulfilled. And that's the thing. So, yeah, I think that's really important that we're touching on, like, talking to straight. Because I also don't want to, like, alienate right, anybody right. in your audience here. Totally. I mean, say it, that, like, climbing makes you inherently masculine. That's not what I'm saying. Right, right, right. I just, when I when I make the joke of, like, climbing is gay, that's where, that's the <laughs> angle I'm coming from. Got it. Yeah. But, like, you know, you also see some climbers who are incredibly graceful and whatever. Climbing, anything can be what you make it. Yeah. And there's so Nothing many, there's it. so many different ways to be a good climber. I, I love that too. Like yeah, you just see yeah. so many different body types leaning into whatever their strengths are. Uh huh. And I mean, there's just like an endless number of ways to get up the wall. It's, it's really, mm-hmm. it's awesome. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, climbing is an anchor. Tell me a little bit more yes. about, about that. Yeah. So I started climbing, I'm going to say six months after I after I came out again, after I came out the second time, um, I had, so COVID hits, I realize I'm gay. I call off the engagement, me and my, my ex obviously break up. I'm living alone and I decide I'm moving to France. Bye. (laughs) 
mid pandemic, I'm like, <laughs> I got to get out of here. I can't do this. I can't be here. I have always wanted to live in France. I'm moving to France. Hell yeah. So I go to France because um, the, the EU opened its borders to Canadians specifically for some reason. I huh. guess our COVID rates were low. I'm not sure. Okay. So I'm like, okay, they want me. Let's go. I go to France. Um, I end up, I meet, I met a woman and I went to the UK to visit her and essentially COVID in France. This is a convoluted story. That doesn't matter. Let's cut the, that doesn't matter. Um, I go to the UK to visit her. She's a big, big into climbing quarantine hits. Everything shuts down. But for some reason, the climbing gyms don't. Huh. So we basically spent the next couple of months climbing. And she was already a very good climber. So she taught me a lot of technique right out the gate. When I was weak, I, I didn't know the single thing about climbing. But I was lucky enough to have somebody there coaching me like right from the start. And I just fell in love with it. So I, we started climbing. Um, we climbed a lot together. And then uh, after we broke up, I just kept doing it. And it's it has become my safe place. It's become the thing that makes me feel, I feel peaceful. I feel accomplished. I feel capable. Um, it's it's become the, the, the place that I can return to no matter what else is happening mm. in my life. I love that. I love that. How yeah. long have you been climbing now? So two, just over two years. Okay. So really not that long. Can you describe what it means to you now? What, uh, what climbing looks like for you, what it means to you, what your relationship with it looks like? I, my... I am trying to maintain a healthy relationship with climbing. Aren't we all? Um, yes. Yeah. Oh God. I'm <laughs> greatest thing to. in my life. Greatest thing. It's given me everything uh -huh. and very often don't have a healthy relationship with it and need to work on that constantly. And I think a lot of people listening can relate. Yeah. Okay. So you get it. It's like, like you just said, it's simultaneously the best thing in my life and also like if I have a bad climbing day, like everything is ruined, like <laughs> too much of my identity is caught up. And also for those listening, I am by no means a professional climber, like by no means. Like I said, I only started a couple of years ago. I do this as a hobby. I love it. Um, but I'm not, I'm no world class athlete. And yet this huge piece of my identity is caught up in my performance when I go climbing. And how well I think I, I did. So last year, yeah, last year I was climbing, you know, three, four times a week. And that kind of set this precedent that now I'm trying to, as my work and life has picked up and I'm busy, I'm trying to not freak out when I only climb twice a week, mm -hmm. you know, when I can only get to the gym twice. I'm trying to be like, Elena, it, it literally doesn't matter. You're not going to lose those gains. It's okay. <laughs> no, like it literally, <laughs> if anything, it's probably good for yeah. like your body to rest for a little bit. But yeah, so what it, I mean, what it means to me right now is it's, it's something that I'm really trying to hold as 
a thing or um, as like a practice that brings me joy, right? Mm. I'm really trying to not tie myself or marry myself to some sort of arbitrary set of rules or timeline or things that I need to accomplish or whatever. Um, and just like enjoy it. Mm -hmm. I, (laughs) I love that. I think what you are working through right now is something that every climber comes up against at some point, not all of them Mm. come up against this at year two. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think it's such a common story because you know, for the for the vast majority, of, the vast majority. Why is that hard for me to say? The vast majority of us. <laughs> uh-huh. There we go. We're not. St- I mean, I, I interview a lot of people on the show who are professional climbers who start as kids and they're you know like on yeah. the competition track, whatever, whatever. But that's not most people listening. You know, I started at right. eighteen. A lot of people start in their adult life in their twenties, thirties, forties, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's unlike a lot of other things. Like you, you take. Um, Mountain biking, you get into mountain biking as a 20 year old. Well, you've probably ridden a bike as a kid, you know, or you've probably done something that's kind of similar as far as like the muscles, the energy systems that you're using, even if you've just like used a bike in the gym or an elliptical in the gym, but climbing's so different. I mean, unless you're like a gymnast. So there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Totally. When you first go, like, I'll never forget the first couple of times I climbed, I was unable to tie my shoes after. (laughs) Like my, my hands ceased to function. Totally. Yeah. Cause it's like, these are muscles I have literally never used before for anything. Uh. (laughs) Like it's a completely new set of, of muscles. It's a completely new set of, of skills. And it's like learning how to, yeah. Learning how to ride a bike, learning how to walk. Yeah. Exactly. And so I think because of that, what happens very often is your progress in the first year, two years, five years, usually it's like first six months, year, two years. Yeah. Uh, your progress is astronomical. It's you're like a rocket ship taking up. But, yes. but then we all, you know, you start to, I, I, you said something really interesting a month ago when we talked, you said climbing is the one thing I've found where my brain can't tell me I'm not getting better. And I just remember thinking like, ooh, I wonder how much longer that's going to (laughs) last. That's such a good point. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Because Mm -hmm. you, it's just this magic. It's like every time you go, you're better than last time and you do the V1 and then you do the V2 and you do your V3. But, you know, and some people ride that sort of trajectory way up, like all the way up to V10 or plus. And and that wasn't me. I was much more of like a slow and steady grinder. Mm -hmm. Um, but everyone hits that point where they're like, whoa, I'm doing the same thing that was working before yeah, and now it's not working or I don't perceive that it's working. Uh-huh. I'm not, yeah, it's like this up and down and, and that's okay. It's just, you know, you've kind of like <laughs> your, your first two years, you're a baby, you know, you're like learning yeah. to walk and then yeah. the incremental, incremental progress from there on is just slower. Um, and so the fact that you are wrestling with all of that and, Focusing on process now is amazing. And I think that will serve you always for the rest of your life as a climber. The things you're saying, I'm like, oh, I'm like right dancing at that. I'm like dancing at the at the beginning of the plateau because mm. I'm not seeing, like you said, you know, V1, V2, V3, whatever. You fly up the kind of where what you're capable of of climbing pretty quickly. And then now I'm at that place where, where I'm just starting to be like, am I getting, I don't think I'm getting any better. Right. I think I'm just, I feel capable at like a basic 
level, but like I'm at the, I'm at that spot where when I go to the climbing gym, the people who I feel like I'm just at the beginning of, if there's like three kind of tiers of climbers, right? You've got your beginners, your intermediates, and then you're like pro climbers that are completely off on in a different universe. I'm like in with the intermediate folks where we're kind of generally stuck on the same areas, but then they can maybe finish it and I can't. Right. Mm. So I'm like just kind of entering that space. So I still feel like, okay, there's like a chat, there's some challenge, whatever, but am I progressing? Am I getting stronger? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so then, yeah, what do you, you got to teach me how to hangboard. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I have one. I do hangboard. Yeah, no, I've seen it. I've, it right? I've seen you do it. I mean, we, we, yeah, we, we can get to that in a second if you truly want to talk about that. But I think what you're doing, the thought experiment that you're doing or the, just the, the processing that you're doing is the thing. Like the, mm -hmm. the fact that you are zooming out, realizing that you want to enjoy this thing, you want to feel empowered doing it, you want it to be about the experience of it and the process yeah. of it and not the result. Like that is the thing that will sustain you and you will end up climbing way harder than you could ever imagine if mm -hmm. you just stick with it and enjoy it, you know? Yeah. But the thing, I mean, I think the thing about climbing is that it's so multifaceted. It's so complex. There's so many different ways to be a good climber. You could be yeah. improving significantly for years and not climb a new grade. Maybe you're just mm. getting better at heel hooks. Maybe you're getting better at steeper climbing that you sucked at before and you're starting to yeah. kind of level out and be more well-rounded as a climber. Maybe you're doing more slabs and really learning to trust your feet. I don't know. That's I'm such a good point. Yeah, because it's not when I think about the the grading system, the the gym that the gyms that we have out here, um, they use a, a different grading system. It's like hexes. So it's like one to six hex okay. climbs. And then it's like each hex has a um like a range. Exactly, a range from V something <clears throat> to V something. Um and my hex level has kind of stopped progressing. I'm I'm definitely now climbing the same kind of hex level generally. So the same V, V scale stuff generally, but you're right that it's about feeling more well-rounded. Like I'm also, I'm able to do more different types, different styles of climb mm -hmm. within that same hex. That's awesome. You're right where you but, should be. Mm, yeah. yeah I think, I think things like the longer you, you climb, I think things happen in these little jumps, you know, and mm -hmm. it's not a linear process. It's like you feel stuck forever, maybe even go back down a few steps. Maybe mm -hmm. you zoom out and realize that you need to address some weaknesses or just change things up. And then you get these little jumps, you know, where you're like, you, you kind of break through and all of a sudden you feel like you've unlocked something and maybe... That, that's exactly how it feels. Yeah. yeah. When you like figure out a new... that that feeling i'm addicted I'm <laughs> yeah addicted right addicted to that it's the it's best like, it's something when you yeah exactly you like it feels like you unlock something at the beginning when it's like oh i've just figured out how to like move my body weight a certain way or like trust this type of foot or a heel hook or something any type of new skill yeah it truly feels like something has been unlocked and suddenly like the gym is is brand new again. Yes, I love that. That's 
yeah, I'm getting excited just hearing you talk about it because it's it's the thing. I mean, it's the magic of climbing. I think it's always happening on the micro and the macro. Like it happens yeah. uh, for you as a climber in the hole, but it's also what I love so much about projecting and having a climb where yes. at first it feels impossible. I can barely do, I can barely do the moves that are supposed to be the easy moves, you know, let alone yeah. the hard ones. And then you yeah. you keep trying it and working on it and learning it and your body just does this magic thing where it just it learns um yes things get easier and it starts to click Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you're you're linking sections of it every try and you're like this was impossible a week ago what's happening yep it's the coolest process ever it's so rewarding oh my god it's so yeah it's so good (laughs) there's nothing like it like and going back to to what you quoted from before it's been a really important and transformative piece for me that my brain can't lie to me. My brain mm. can't spin it and and tell me that I'm not that I'm not better, that I'm not stronger because you can see it. Mm. I I I just climbed something I couldn't climb 3 days ago. That's improvement. That is getting stronger. There's no way that my head can twist that as like a you know, in the kind of negative ways it likes to. Yeah, I was going to ask about that with that quote. Does it do that in a lot of other areas of your life with the with the podcast, with your business, with with whatever else you're trying to improve at? Oh, abs- yeah, absolutely. Your brain's just telling you you're not getting better. You're not getting better. And it's, it's partially a comparison game, mm. which you can also get sucked into with climbing, um, that it doesn't matter, like with social media, let's say, it doesn't matter how big your numbers grow because there's always somebody doing better. There's always somebody who's bigger. Um, And I guess you could say the same thing for climbing, but I just find it really, it's such a personal victory every time I top something that I wasn't previously able to top. There's no way around that. Mm-hmm. It feel it's such a personal accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I'm I'm gonna validate you in other ways too. And it's, you know, I know that my validation doesn't necessarily mean anything, but from the outside looking at what you do, yes, there's always someone bigger, there's always more, whatever. I struggle with this too. So I'm trying to say to you what I think I'm like struggling with all the time. But uh-huh. from the outside looking in, you're killing it. You're absolutely oh, killing it. You. The thing you've built, the the reach that you have, but not just that, like the the community that you've built, the way in which you're showing up vulnerably, bringing your vulnerability and your honesty and your raw feelings and showing people that process. I mean, that is, that's so amazing. And the fact that you're making a living doing it, you're killing it. So just keep it up. Thank you. Thank you. It's hard to remember <laughs> sometimes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I've got half an hour left with you. I want to respect your time. I've got mm-hmm. some businessy sort of questions on here, but I have to, I have to pivot first. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've never done this before, but I actually have a sponsor, a new sponsor who's sponsoring mm-hmm. this episode and it's going to be interactive. I'm including you okay. in this advertisement reel. And this is something I'm really excited about. I I have no direct connection to this company. This was started by a guy named Miguel. 
And I just think he's doing something really fucking cool that I think you guys listening will really resonate with. So okay. this is a company called So Cards. And So Cards, they're these collections I'm showing you on the camera right now. Mm-hmm. They're these card decks and they are collections of deeper questions. Oh, so yeah. this is a game that's designed to... Um, it's, it's a game designed for people who want to skip small talk. Each card has a question crafted for deeper discussions. And mm-hmm. the idea behind it is helping people get from get away from how are you and helping them get to who are you. Let's really Ooh. get to know each other here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, for people listening that find that intriguing, you can learn more at socards.org and you can get 20% off when you use code NUGGET at checkout. What a great so, date idea. Right? I know. Yeah. I've been I've been actually playing this game with my partner and it's been it's been amazing. Um and great for family time too. We we did some of these questions with family over Thanksgiving and it was super fun. Um Right. So yeah, I have four questions here. We'll just see we don't have to go through all of them. I'll just see um how long each one takes and um how do you want to do this? Do you think we should both answer these questions? Yeah. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah. All right. The first one here. If you never had to worry about money, what's one goal that you would dedicate yourself to? I never had to worry about money. I would just climb all the time. (laughs) (laughs) If I never had to worry about money, I would like that would be my top priority is like training and climbing. Um, And then I would (laughs) also, I would also want to start a family like, Oh, that's just, amazing. Yeah, I'd want to have a family and I would just have outdoor. We would climb and go camping and hiking and like just, yeah, that would be my, my that would be what I would want my life to look like. And I would buy a house out here that my family could come stay in whenever they wanted to. I love that. That's amazing. Would Would your channel continue to be part of your life? Oh, totally. Yeah. I would, okay. I would still be making videos, but I would not have to worry about being brand friendly. I would not have to worry about sponsorships and views and any of that. It would, it would probably become a climbing channel. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Climbing and outdoor adventure stuff. Yeah, that's great. Um, my answer is almost exactly the same. I think this shows how lucky you and I are to be doing what we yeah. get to do. Um, I would absolutely continue doing the podcast i'd probably have you know i'd I'd probably buy a house somewhere that i would love to live but still have the van and still travel and Mm -hmm. climb and i would really want to continue sharing stories and it would be really fun to i and and this isn't too much of a takeaway i love what i do in in all the aspects but to not have to worry about um the hustle side of it you know yes not have to worry about um getting, you know, support from listeners. I so appreciate everyone who's listening to this. I can't mm-hmm. thank you enough. Um, but to just be able to share stories and not have to think about any of the other stuff would be would be really amazing. So, but yeah, I don't 100%. think my life would look that different, honestly. Yeah, mine wouldn't. It's it's exactly what you said, the hustle. Like kind of the hustle of it all is what takes up 90% of my time. You know, the the hustle is what is where my stress comes from the hustle is where my if I don't have time to do something that I really want to do it's because I I got a hustle mm-hmm. so if, if that was gone then yeah that would be that would be great but 
I also kind of love the hustle, so <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not mad about I it. I know, yeah, same, same. It's fun. It's really rewarding and fun in its own way. Um, the business side of it, I wonder if you relate to this, but it feels mm. it has like elements of the things that I love about climbing, like the learning and the challenges, and like seeing what yeah. works. And I, I mm-hmm. find that kind of rewarding in a way. I find it rewarding that it's it's the type of thing that, for the most part, the effort that you put in is directly related to the reward Mm -hmm. like the the harder that i work on content the harder that i work on putting myself out there on the hustle Mm -hmm. the yeah the bigger the reward like it's they're directly related and i think there's or i know there's a lot of jobs that it doesn't matter how you can work your ass off and you still get the same paycheck Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that's best part of being your own boss for sure yeah (laughs) okay i'm gonna skip one of these i think let's go with this one when you were a kid what scared you about growing up and i can go first if you want to yeah you go first please okay i think i think as a kid i just you know, I, I inherited like the the belief that life was going to look a certain way. You know, I was yeah. going to go to high school. I was going to go to college. College was going to be hard. People said it was fun, but I just thought it was mostly going to be hard. And then after college, I was going to get a career and probably get married and buy a house and maybe have a family. And that was going to be it. And I yeah. didn't understand that so much fun can happen in your adult life. And all of that terrified me. I just thought that my enjoyment of life and my play, my years of play were like winding down. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It sounds like that, Kate, that's its own version of comp het. Mm. That's its own version of you were like, this is the script that's been given to me. This is the thing that's been modeled. This is the box that I must build my life within. Even though it doesn't spark joy, it doesn't make me feel fulfilled. I don't feel like my most authentic self, but this is, this is what will happen. This is the default. It's the same. Like my answer is actually quite similar, Mm. which is funny considering the like perfect life I just outlined for you, which is pretty (laughs) much what you just said, but like. When I think about being younger and and what scared me growing up, it was like the idea of domesticity, like anything to do with like being a being a wife and cooking and cleaning and like run like being married and having kids. My whole life, I I told everyone I never wanted to get married. Mm. I was like, I never want to get married. I don't want kids. I don't want any of that because I was trying to kind of fight against compet and mm-hmm. you realize it but mm-hmm. that's what was happening and now that i've realized who i am now i'm like oh my god that's everything i want <laughs> that's actually all i want wow um wow so it's interesting that yeah that was that was what scared me when i was was younger was the idea of like getting married it's just what you said getting married having kids having a house i was like oh god i don't i don't want any of that totally and no judgment for people i know a lot of people listening probably have done that and love that. And um, my sister oh, you know, yeah, comes to absolutely. mind and she like she, she, the thought <laughs> her, my lifestyle like terrifies her. It's, it's really yeah. funny. The thought of being alone this much, the thought of all of my social interaction for the most part being with new people, like yeah. both of those things are like hard no for her, you know? Absolutely. Oh yeah. There's none of this is me saying any of those things are 
are less than for any reason. Like I'm also here saying now those are exactly the things I want. <laughs> be a stay-at-home mom? Oh my God. Like, <laughs> sign me up. That's like, but you know, before, yeah, when I was younger, the the idea of that was was like a yeah, was just filled me with dread. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to have a family now? I do, yeah. That's beautiful. I do. It's a very scary thing to think about. Um but yeah, I think I think I do. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. What about you? Um, I'm still not sure. Yeah. 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 I'm still not sure. I remember, I can't remember if I said this on the podcast before, but whatever. Um, for a long time, I felt like there was something wrong with me. I was like, why is it that I'm not fully on board with having kids? Because I can, I can recognize that that would be an absolutely life-changing and incredible and rich experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I finally realized, I think I was listening to someone else on a podcast and it kind of clicked for me that I'm totally thinking about it the wrong way. It's not this or that it's yeah. no, I, the thought of the thought of having a partner, but not having kids and the freedom that comes with that and all the experiences yeah. that potentially come with that. If that person's aligned with me and wants to explore and climb and travel and all these things, that feels so, I feel such a strong draw. That feels so attractive to me. Yeah. And the thought of having a family and the experience of making little humans and watching them grow into their own people and having those relationships for the rest of your life is also really beautiful to me. It's just that the not having kids is like winning out by a little bit. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I was like, why don't I want kids? What's wrong with me? Am I a monster? And it's like, no, you do. You just maybe want the other thing more than than well, this thing. And even it and not even if you didn't, that doesn't make you a monster. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. Like right, this is right. all <laughs> everything that we're talking about is literally comp head. Like it's literally the world telling you that like this is the timeline. If mm -hmm. you don't want kids, like as a man, it's like what you don't want you don't want to, you know spread your whatever and like make your own little humans what's wrong with you as a woman you don't have a maternal instinct what's wrong with you nothing totally. nothing is wrong with you totally. like it, we should be questioning it's the same like when i say ask yourself the question about your own sexuality same thing with any decision any buying a house getting married having kids so many people i think go through those motions without asking the question, mm -hmm. is this what I really want? Because we are taught that inherently we all want these things. And that's just not true. Totally. I love it. I love it. See, this this, this game works. Look at, look at <laughs> yeah. the conversation that's being struck <laughs> yeah. up by these questions. No kidding. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Let's do one more. I like this one. And yeah. I thought it would be a, I kind of chose this one for you. Um, what do you think people tend to take for granted in their relationships? Oh my God. What do people tend to take for granted in their relationships? That's a hard one. Do you, can you go first? Do you have something? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I have the advantage of having thought about this all night. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, and again, I'm speaking, you know, for myself, from my own lived experience, but a, a trend that I've noticed is just how easy it is to, once you've been with someone, once you've gone through the stage of really being intentional and trying to get to know them and learn about them, it's just so easy to assume that you know everything. 
And that's just never true. You know, even if you've been with someone for years and years, we all have such such a deep history and so many experiences that have shaped who we are, how we think, how we process things. And I think the, like, if I were, if I were my best self in a relationship, that would mm-hmm. never stop that, that intentionality, yeah. that asking questions, that curiosity, wanting, that curiosity. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. I, I've, I am, I've been shocked. Like that's literally what I do for a living is I ask people questions and get to know them. And I, uh-huh. it's almost like I get to go on <laughs> like first dates all the time, you know? Yeah. And yeah. it's, um, it's so easy to bring that kind of curiosity and energy to someone who you don't know yet. But I've been amazed in my own relationships at how quickly I do that. I, I yeah. stop feeling curious. I stop leading with curiosity and, and setting intentional time aside to, to ask questions. Um, you know, assuming so a, assuming that I understand how the person's thinking or what they're feeling and, yeah. and things like that, I think it's, that's so it's like taking their taking their it, it's taking them for granted in in one way or another, which is the direction that I wanted to go with the answer, but I wasn't exactly sure how to like which way to what um, angle to take because my it's my, like taking who they are as a person for granted. Yes, yeah. yes, and my angle was almost was more like taking for granted that this is maybe sounds a little bit dark but like taking for granted that they're that they're going to be there. Mm. And I I don't I don't mean that in in an anxiety way of like oh they're going to leave me. I don't mean it like that, but I just mean it like this relationship your your partner if I speak for myself, my partner like she's a whole person. She's a whole person with a lifetime of of experience and her you know her own desires and all these things and she's choosing to spend her time with me she's choosing to come home to me and i don't ever want to take that for granted mm. you know and it, it ties into what you're saying we're like you know when when we have we have dinner together it's like taking for granted the fact that she's she's spending that time with me and i i want to lead with curiosity and, and continue to, to, I, I don't want to take any of it for granted. I love that. Beautiful. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot to that question. Things people take for granted. Mm-hmm. It's so individual because yeah. a lot of the things I want to say, I'm thinking like, oh, but there's probably people whose partners don't do those things. Oh, well, sure. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, but I think, I think we, I think we all, I think we all do it. I mean, I don't know. I, I haven't met anyone who doesn't take their family for granted to some extent, mm, you know, just mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they've always been there. They're always going to be there. You have that blood connection that you can't change. No one can change. Um, I mean, how many of us are actively trying to rediscover who our siblings are or who our parents mm. are mm-hmm. year in, you know, year in and year out, just as people are evolving and changing. I mean, some people probably do, but probably not all the time. You know, there's probably periods of coasting and... Yeah, it's remembering, like you said, the intentionality, having intention, maybe, maybe it's leading with the intention of recognizing that these people in our lives are more than the role that they play in our lives. So Mm. like, you know, my mom, she's, she's, she's my mom, 
but she's also a whole person. And like you just said, yeah, how many of us sit down with with our parents or our siblings and view them as like, you are a whole person with a whole life, a whole set of, yeah, everything, experiences, thoughts, your perspective, your um, the way that you're processing the world. And like, can we, can we see them and can we be with them and explore our relationship with them through that lens? Mm-hmm. Your partner is, a, is not just your girlfriend, is not just your boyfriend. Like they're a whole person. <laughs> I know I keep saying that, but it's like sometimes my girlfriend and I actually talk about this all the time. Cause like, sometimes I'll be with her and I have this moment of like, whoa, you're a whole, that's a, you're a whole human being. <laughs> totally. Separate. It's, it sounds kind of silly, but it's like when you're used to being around someone so much, you kind of, they kind of fade into the peripheral, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, they're, yes. they're a, they're yeah. a, a facet of my life. They're a, they're a part of my life. They're a part of my everyday experience. And then sometimes that some, something about that wall is like, broken and it's like the the glass shatters or the curtain opens and i'm like whoa you are a whole human being sitting here on the couch next to me like (laughs) completely separate from from me and yet you know here you are and i love you and you love me and Mm. wow (laughs) (laughs) i love it i love how you captured that yeah beautiful um amazing well I think this game works. I this is yeah, this is exactly all the things that we're talking about right now. Um, I mean, especially like the experience that I had playing this with my family over Thanksgiving. I really believe in what Miguel is doing with So Cards, and I think um, I don't know. I, I just think the world would be better if we spent more time thinking about really good questions to ask one another, and that that absolutely goes for me first. But for people listening, if you want to check it out, SoCards.org. Use code NUGGET. That's right. Use code NUGGET for 20% off at checkout. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Elena, I've got you for about 10 more minutes. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at my list of things that you said felt important to you to talk about. Oh, yeah. Okay. And it's way too much stuff. We could have hours. <laughs> <laughs> we could talk for hours and hours and hours. I know. Um, what would back. you like to wrap up with? Is there anything that we haven't talked about yet in this conversation that you want to touch on before I let you go? I guess I will say the the grand summary is the wide angle summary is you're not alone. Whatever it is that you're questioning whatever questions you're answering for your, or you're asking yourself and whatever answers you're finding. I know how scary it can be. Like I, I know I've been there and it will be okay. Like you have to, you, 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 the thing that I have learned through all of this is like, you cannot live your life inauthentically. It's not worth it. Mm. Like it's, it's, you have one life, one that's it. You can't live it for other people. You can't live your life staying in a relationship where you're not happy because you don't want to hurt the other person. That's not fair to you. It's not fair to them. I wish so badly for you to choose every part of your life in the way that's going to make you feel the most fulfilled. If that's living in a van and traveling around climbing, 
by yourself, even when everybody looks at you and is like, shouldn't you, you're 33. When are you going to, aren't you married yet? Where are your babies? You should have babies. Does that make you feel fulfilled? No, the life that you're living makes you feel fulfilled. And that's, that's what's important. Who cares? Who cares what the, what the other people say, right? Like we can't. Yeah. That that's, that's the thing that I, that I am learning time and time again is even if people don't understand it, even if they are disappointed in you for whatever reason, the only thing that you can do is, is live your life as, as your most authentic self. And the people that, that love you really, when they see you happy, when they see you excited, even if they didn't understand at first, they'll come around. You're awesome. You're awesome. <laughs> this is so fun. Thanks. I love this. Yeah. I love this. Um, I do. I, I need to ask you one listener question because I. Yes. So, yeah, for for my Patreon, I mm-hmm. let people know who's coming up on the show so they can submit questions. I got a great question for you. I just realized that I hadn't asked it yet. So let's let's wrap up with that. And then I want to yes. go ahead. Just you mentioning your Patreon. I had a thought. Okay. Um, when we were talking about, because we're actually recording this video, which you said you don't usually do. Mm-hmm. How fun, if you would be, it's, this is just, <laughs> if you want to, Yeah. you have my permission. If you'd want to post this video on your Patreon, it's like a bonus. I would love to like do only that. Only patrons get to like watch the, the video portion yeah. or however you want to do it. Could be fun. I love That's that. All. I love that. I'll <laughs> do it. I'm going to do it. It's perfect. Okay. Listener question. Listener question. And then I want to wrap up with uh, plugs, where people can find Ah, you, what you're up to, and how people can follow your story. But this is a great question from Ren. And Ren asks, how was your experience finding a queer community within the larger climbing community? And do you Mm -hmm. have any tips for queer climbers on finding these spaces? Ooh, good question. So I... I'm lucky enough that I live in a city that it's a big city. So there are queer specific climbing events. So going to those, wherever you live, like looking into if there are um, gyms or spaces that hold like specifically queer climbing events, that's kind of a great place to start. Um, I have also met, I have met other queer climbers when I was still on the the dating apps. Um, I would put like climber in my bio and I've met people that way. Um, I also, there was a period of time where I was on Bumble doing their like for friends, like just looking for friendship and same thing. I put in my bio that I was like a climber and I put like a little rainbow (laughs) and I met a couple of really great friends who are queer climbers that are just friends. My, the current person that I do most of my climbing with, and that's a, a good friend of mine, I met them doing yoga at the climbing gym once a week, I would go to the same yoga class and this person was always there. And then after yoga, we would climb. And, you know, after a few sessions, we just started talking and I was like, Oh, Hey, what's, what's going on? Like you climb here every Friday (laughs) (laughs) and, um, we became friends. So I would say it's a combination of at doing the, the search, right. So going online, looking for specifically queer events, and then going to those and talking to people and also talking to people at the gym, just talking to people. I find climbing 
is a space where you can, it's very easy to meet people. And I don't know if that's a, I know it's not a specifically Canadian thing. Cause in the UK, I met a ton of people. Um, you know, you, you're working on the same problem and you start chatting you find someone who like looks a little gay. Go talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> go, go oh, they chat. rolled up in a Subaru. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ask them which car they're driving. <laughs> You'll know. <laughs> does that does that sound like good good advice? It sounds like know. great advice to me. I don't know if I yeah. have an opinion. I mean, I'm sure that not all communities, unfortunately, are as mm-hmm. um, proactive about this as Vancouver. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I I think that's changing, and I really hope it continues to change and if you're out there listening and you have any sort of influence at your gym like this is something mm-hmm. to to promote and think about and talk about more um i know people who have started queer events at their gym mm. you know like if you have a gym that you're a regular at and they don't have any sort of queer events see if you if they're open to you organizing one right put the word out online and they'll get a bunch of gays around <laughs> we're all looking for community right we're all looking totally for it. absolutely I love it. I was just thinking about the fact that I, for like most of my twenties, I drove a Subaru, and uh, <laughs> That's funny. so it's a good thing that it yeah. came out today because it probably was confusing for a lot of people. <laughs> yes. Like I drive a Subaru, but I am in fact not a lesbian. <laughs> so. Elena, we're gonna have to do this again. Yeah, it's been 100%. so much fun. It's been it's so, so much fun, fun talking to you. I um I did want to talk to you about about business, and maybe we can do a round two if you're up for it, and talk we about do a that too. Because I remember Absolutely. you saying that you were planning to start a podcast. That's yeah. obviously something that I um, have been doing and have some experience with. I'm planning uh-huh. to start a YouTube channel, and that is something that you have a great deal of experience with. So it'd be really yes. fun to to swap tips, uh, to talk shop Absolutely. a little bit and do that. And then I have so many other little things. Um, gatekeeping, um, yep. using labels yep. and gatekeeping with labels, gatekeeping and climbing, the language that uh-huh. we use. Um <laughs> oh, we got a lesbian versus baby gay. I mean, there's yes. so <laughs> yes. Yes. endless no, things to 100%. talk about, but, yeah. um, but yeah, I know you have to go. So we'll wrap it up here. Let people know where they can find you, um, mm-hmm. what you're excited about right now and, uh, and how people can connect with you. Yeah. So my name's Elena Joy, A-L-A-Y-N-A Joy. If you search for me, pretty much anywhere that that's how you can find me. My, my handle is usually miss Fender with two R's because I did start all of this when I was in high school. So <laughs> that's, that's the username that I, that I've got. Um, is your last, is make, your last name Fender? My last or what? name's Fender. Yeah. Okay. Got it. But Fender with one R was taken. So <laughs> miss Fender it is with two R's. Um, so I make, I'm mostly on YouTube, but I also do TikTok and Instagram. If you want to see my climbing content, Instagram is the place to be. And I did recently start a podcast with a couple friends of mine. It's You're doing it. Chosen. Yeah. It's called chosen family podcast. Um, it's out anywhere you listen to your podcasts. We are your chosen family. We're the, the queer family that you, that you maybe never had. And so each week we, we sit down and we chat about various queer things. And it's a lot of fun. My friends are a comedian and a TikToker, so they're they're quite entertaining. It's 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 a lot of fun for sure. Amazing! I can't wait to check it out. And for everyone listening, thank you for tuning in. I will link to all things Elena Joy in the show notes for this episode at thenuggetclimbing.com. I'll link to some of my favorite YouTube videos of hers that I've seen so far in her channel and her Instagram and 
TikTok and all the things, her podcast. So you can find all of that in the show notes at thenuggetclimbing.com. Thanks again. And until next time, thanks for listening. I just said thank yeah, you way too many times. Time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was about to be like, and thanks for having me, but we had enough thank yous. No, until next time. Nice to meet all of you. Awesome. Let's do it again. Yeah. We're done. Great. We're done. We did it. We did it. You're the best. That was so fun. So, you're so easy to talk Hey friends, before you go, don't forget to check out So Cards. If you enjoyed that conversation with Elena and enjoyed the questions that I was asking her from So Cards, this is an awesome game for couples, for families, and it would make an excellent holiday gift. So if you're shopping for Christmas or for the holidays, check them out. SoCards.org, use code NUGGET for 20% off your order. Also, don't forget to check out Grasshopper Climbing. The Grasshopper board truly is my favorite of all of the boards, and it's the one that I plan to purchase for my own house someday once I am ready to take a break from van life. The Grasshopper board is awesome, so if you've been thinking about buying a board, head over to grasshopperclimbing.com to check this thing out, and be sure to tell them I sent you. Also, be sure to check out Athletic Greens. I think of this stuff as all-in-one nutritional insurance when I'm on the road, and I love it. It's refreshing. It tastes good. I had some this morning. If you want to try it, head over to athleticgreens.com nugget to get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. And finally, be sure to check out Rhino Skin Solutions. Whether you have dry, glassy skin or sweaty skin and have trouble keeping chalk on your hands like I do, Rhino Skin Solutions has products that are designed just for you and your skin type. Check them out at rhinoskinsolutions.com and use code NUGGET at checkout for 20% off your next order. And that is it, my friends. Thank you for listening to the very end. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I appreciate you guys. Hope you're having an amazing week and we will see you next time. Like we do it.